Welcome to our most chaotic episode of the podcast yet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and today we're talking about Klaus. Klaus. I was really not sure if it was called Klaus or Claus, because we say Santa Claus. But then they said Klaus in the movie. I was like, okay. A lot. I figured it was Klaus because it starts with a K instead of a C, but that's just a complete sidetrack. I mean... Klaus was released on Netflix November 8th, 2019. It's directed by Sergio Pablos, and it tells the story of a spoiled postman who comes to a reclusive northern town built on resentment and feuding. And meets a reclusive toy maker who together saved the town. You've got mail meets Santa Claus meets Romeo and Juliet. It was nominated for the 92nd Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature, but ultimately lost to Toy Story 4. Which I've seen Toy Story 4. This is a better movie than that. Um, no. Listen to me right now. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> What's your history with this movie? <laughs> Nothing. I literally watched it yesterday. You know that. We all know that. We all know how my life goes. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you also watched it yesterday. So, I saw this movie last year because i on Netflix a lot. What? You saw it last year? No, I didn't see it last year. Like, I literally saw Oh, the... oh I was like, what? I saw it pop up on my Netflix screen. Perfect. I didn't ever click on it, but I'm on Netflix a lot, so I saw it, the advertisement and the title, and it was one of those, I honestly don't watch a lot of Christmas movies, I just never think about them, so it was like, oh, I should watch that, but then I never did, and then the Bacon and Eggs crew and the Super Carlin Brothers, that conglomeration of people watched it, and they kept talking about how great it was. And so then, I was really like, I should watch that, and then I still never did it. And then it was nominated for an Oscar, and I was like, oh, this movie's actually good. <laughs> and then I still never watched it. So for this, I recommended we watch it so that I can say that I've seen it. And that's my history. <laughs> it took me a year to watch it. I was just told, hey, we're watching this, and I went, okay, I'm gonna wait until the day of, and then we ended re- we ended up recording the next day because we suck. We're doing great. I just got very distracted by a book on my bookshelf. I don't know what the book is, but I was like, I didn't know Timothy Zahn wrote that. I don't even know what book it is. What the heck? Well, ultimately, I had no idea what this movie was about until I started watching it. Yeah, I didn't even watch the trailer. I just typed it into search and watched it. We both watched this movie yesterday. I had no idea what it was about except that it had good reviews and it was well-liked. So I came in with high expectations, and it did not disappoint. I came in with meh expectations, and I hated the beginning, so... I don't like creepy things, and everything about it was super creepy. Like the town? Yeah, the town and the weird little yeah. kids and everyone literally murdering each other. It reminded me of Invader Zim, and I watched that a lot as a kid. So it didn't bother me. Yeah. I thought it was like, oh, they're creepy, but that's fine. <laughs> and I knew that it wasn't going to stay that way because it's a Christmas movie. And it's not like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. I just, like, it was so dark to a point where I was like, how is this a kid's movie? I mean, nobody, like, died. I mean, yeah. Oh, so when they're, like, moving the dead body across the screen... I was like, I thought this was a kid's show, because they're literally, it's like two people carrying a dead body in between them. I loved the animation style. There were multiple points when it was pretty inconsistent, where it like kind of looked like paper 3D, and then like from another angle you could tell that it was very clearly like computer animated. Yeah, the animation was really weird. I liked the like style of the... I don't know what to call it, but, like, it kind of looked like paper to me. 
And I thought that was a good choice for a story about letters. Yeah, it was just... But that style didn't hold up very well when there had to do fast animation. Like when a sled was moving or something like that. So there's that going for it. But I thought it was a cool choice. It was just not as ex not executed as well as it could have been. I just love that this movie was so different. It was predictable and like, oh, this is a Christmas story, but there were elements to it that were different, and it was done a lot different of a way. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is how this legend was started, and it wasn't super stereotypical. Yeah, I was expecting it to be, because it starts off at the post office, and it's like, this is a story about letters. And I was like, okay, so it's going to be a story about kids writing letters to Santa Claus, which it was, kind of. But then it kept going, and they were talking about the Klaus, the toy maker in the woods, and I thought it was Santa Claus who, like, lost his way. Like, previously Santa Claus, something bad happened, and now he's no longer acting as Santa Claus. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. This is going to be a good story. But then it wasn't that, because he wasn't Santa Claus until the end. And I liked that. Right. I just loved all the little tidbits like how the flying reindeer actually happened because some kids saw them like they accidentally went off a cliff and so the reindeer looked like they were flying and so they were both joking about it after like oh haha flying reindeer kids are so dumb i love the idea that one that kids can change the world i love that theme of it but then also just all of the character growth and, like, softening the cold, icy land. And how, like, throughout the story, Jesper, like, softens as a person, Klaus softens as a person, and the teacher lady softens as a person. And their, like, bond is really strong together. I literally thought a boot camp for the post office was the most hilarious thing in the whole world. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So it's basically just all of these people training to be in the post office, and there's like equestrian training, and filing training, fragile package carrying, car carrier pigeon training, and then this big sergeant gets a letter from the boss, and it's like, it's for him. And then we meet Jesper, who's a spoiled kid sitting in a tent, not going to classes, and we find out that his dad is the head of the academy. And basically his dad cuts him off and says you have to go to Smyrnsburg, or however you say it, and establish a post office there. And Jesper being the spoiled brat that he is, is like, oh this will be fun, I'll just go and do this. No problem. And then he gets there, and... But he meets this fairy man who's messing with him, and... It's a town that has two sides, the crumbs and the Ellingbows. Um, the crumbs versus the Ellingbows. And all the crumbs have dark hair and all the Ellingbows have red hair, so you can cinematically tell them apart. <laughs> but they live on the two sides of the town and they hate each other, so they're constantly feuding with each other. Sounds like something I know. It's just literally Nomeo and Juliet. I'm sorry. Except the two sides don't- oh, never mind. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yep. They're even, like, distinguished by the same colors, like red and blue, red and black. I'm like, you guys. That's amazing. Stan, Nomeo, and Juliet. <laughs> I freaking love that movie. Oh my god. <laughs> They're fighting, and Jesper comes, and he realizes that there's no hope, and that he's doomed. And that the post office is falling apart and nobody wants to send a letter because they all, they don't need to send letters to hate each other. And then one day, a kid drops a letter from his window and asks Jesper to send it back. And Jesper goes, no. Well, he drops a drawing. And Jesper's like, well, I can put it in your mailbox. You just need to give me a penny for postage. Because he has to get 6,000 letters to be sent before the year's up so that he or his dad will cut him off of all of his riches and the kid's dad shows up and tries to kill Jesper and so he runs away and ends up eventually going to Klaus's woods 
wood cabin so that and then there klaus finds a letter from the little kid and gives him a toy because he sees the letter is like this really sad drawing of a kid stuck in a scary tower oh yeah so then he shows up at jesper's house and is like deliver this and so there's but in a very creepy foreboding do this kind of way yeah klaus is like huge and he carries an axe all very Santa Claus things. Axe murderer things. He actually says he's possibly an axe murderer, and it's hilarious. There's this comedic scene where Klaus throws Jesper through the chimney, and he, like, delivers the present, and then the dad tries to shoot him. But then the kid gets the toy, and it's, like, the happiest moment, and this is where the magic... The orchestra in that scene. Ah! Ah! So good! I didn't even notice, but who's surprised? <sighs> okay, Ree. That was, like, the best part of the whole movie. No, the best part of the movie was the movie. So after that, the kid gets a toy, and he's playing with it outside. And then this kid... The kid's a crumb. And the other people, the redhead people, because I forgot their name again. Ellingbows. Ellingbows. <laughs> this Ellingbow kid sees the toy and the crumb and the elbow end up playing together and their parents freak out. And they go on and on about how this is tradition that we just hate each other. We cannot do this because of the council. Whatever. Old people are dumb. <laughs> and I just love that scene in particular that kids really don't care about tradition or about what the way people look or like the kid even asks like but why is it like this? Because to him, there's nothing wrong. He was just playing with somebody and this, like, wind-up frog. And I just really love this idea that, I mean, it's true. But all throughout history and life, kids don't care. Like, they don't care about race. They don't care about any of that stuff. Kids don't care if another kid in their class, like, if a girl, young girls don't care if guys are wearing dresses when they're, like, four or five. And so it's, like, this idea that society is the only thing that, and plants these ideas on people. They're not in inherent. Inherent? They're not part of our nature. Right. Like, it's not part of our nature to hate people of other colors. It's because society tells us to. Yeah. I have point number two of why this movie is not a kid's movie. Okay. During this scene, when they're going through all the traditions and whatnot... One of the the old guys is talking to the little kid, going, Alright, this is tradition. This is why you don't do this. And here's some of the, like, history behind our country or whatever. And then they get to the diorama of the Great Mooning of 86. Carrie, how is that a children's movie? Literally, it's a bunch of butts sticking out of windows. Is it supposed to be a children's movie? Yeah! It's about Christmas! It's animated! Die Hard's about Christmas. That's definitely not a children's movie. Die Hard's rated R, Carrie. I just... I don't think in order to be a Christmas movie, it has to be a children's movie, because then our whole episode about Die Hard would be wrong. Okay. Die Hard's rated R. What is this rated? Like, PG? PG. Yeah. That's why. I just think this movie is very similar to Shrek in, like, the adult sarcasm, the mooning, the dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> Shrek is definitely a kid's movie. Like, it's not a kid's movie, but we all watch it as kids. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, kids could watch it and not get all the adult things in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I almost all children's movies are like that. Have you watched a Disney show recently? <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's there's one part where he's, where Jesper's meeting Claus, and Claus hands him this rope, <laughs> and it looks like there's a noose at the end of it, and so he's like, okay, this is the end, and puts it around his neck, and is like, alright, universe, take me. <laughs> and Klaus takes it off and throws it over a tree because it's for a birdhouse. <laughs> like... Even the 
battle bell at the beginning. It's so dark. Yeah, there's literally a war going on. Everyone's killing each the, other. At the beginning, the fairy man takes Jesper into town and goes, and Jesper, being egotistical and a narcissist, is like, I expected there to be a reception. Like, they have a new postman. And the fairy man goes, okay, ring that bell. And when you ring the bell, it signals that a fight needs to happen. But underneath the bell is a noose. So it's like, mm, yeah. I mean, even Boy Meets World had themes that were pretty adult for the age that it was. Yeah, I just... That was kind of... They talked about a lot of adult thing, things. Yeah. That was a different time, man. I don't... I don't know what to tell you about that one. I just, I mean, it's been like... <laughs> 10 years at least since I was a kid. <laughs> I feel like a kid wouldn't like watching this movie. That's the thing, and I feel like that's who it's geared towards. I feel like that's the audience. I don't know, I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, do you think the audience is 20-somethings? I looked it up. It just said it was an animated comedy film about Christmas. So it didn't say that it was a children's movie. Right. I don't... I don't know how to figure out audience very well. That wasn't my strong suit in English class. I just, I have the strong feeling like that was the vibe they were going for. Like, every Pixar movie is like, these kids who've grown up with Pixar their entire life, so they get the jokes as adults, and then little kids are like, OMG, cute spork that's trying to kill itself. Aww. I think Pixar is purposely trying to appeal to both audiences, children and adults. Right, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. I'm just like, this is sketch, man. I wouldn't have liked this as a kid. Yeah, I don't think a child would get it the same way that we get it yeah. as adults. It would be, like, they would understand the plot, but there's deeper meaning behind it, and it's a lot more meaningful of a story as you get older, because it's about a guy, like, learning about himself and learning about the world around him and, like, seeing that children are the future. And that's not something that children really pay attention to or, like, claim responsibility for. Like, if you went to an eight-year-old child and were like, you have the power to change the world, that means nothing to that kid. I mean, it might to some, but, like, the average eight-year-old doesn't care about changing the world. And even in this, they talked about how they're just doing it because one selfless act sparks another, and so they're not even thinking about it. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I wanted to bring up, there's a lot of subtle nods to things that sometimes people don't think about. Like, so in the story, in this town, all of the kids just know war. None of them cared to learn how to read or write or anything. The school got turned into like a fish place, whatever, and the teacher became callous and was just trying to save enough money to leave because she had lost all hope. And finally these kids are wanting to learn how to write their names. And as soon as the kid writes their name, she's like, oh, congrats, yay, whatever. And all of them are like, no, we want to write our names. Like, we want to know how to write, too. And then you see this very subtle scene of her going into her own savings to be able to teach these kids. And it's like, isn't that what they've been doing this whole time? Teachers are always doing that nowadays. Yeah, I felt like this movie was a love letter to teachers and a love letter to the United States Postal Service. <laughs> My gosh! <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a Spanish movie. Like, the production team is all Spanish, so not necessarily the United States Post Office. But I was thinking about it like, this year specifically, with all of the stuff about Save the USPS and Support Your Mail Systems. It just felt kind of poignant. Poignant? Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about this. And we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Because I can get real theological with this. But I feel like there are some themes of inherent goodness. And that all people are born good. And that they only become bad because of tradition or callous or because adults are mean to each other. And I just think that's interesting because from a Christian perspective, that's not necessarily true. Because so in like school and in theology, they teach you all people are born bad. Only through God's goodness can we become good again. And so it's interesting to see that perspective and be like all people are good they just need a spark of goodness and it'll lead to a change of goodness 
as opposed to all people are bad, no matter how much good you do, people will still want to do bad. It's a lot more of an optimistic look at life. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think as a Christmas movie, you'd kind of want to spark that optimism because 2019 wasn't so hot of a year either. There was still a lot of things happening. So I feel like them wanting to be like, oh yeah, if we could just spread kindness everywhere, it'll work. I mean, I don't think it's a bad message. No, it's not. I just, I don't really know. My theology brain is just going on overdrive. Yeah, I don't know where to continue. Help. SOS. I get what you're saying. I mean, I like it. I like to believe, I would love to believe that all people are good and that we just need to let children do good things and the world will be a better place. It's a good thought. Yeah, because I mean, we've read several books in school of how, like, society and circumstance does change how you grow up. Um, what is it? Systemic racism? I mean, that's a completely perfect proof of that. Right. I do think there is an element of the way that you grow up determines how you look at the world and how you act. Because if you grow up in a society where you're poor, living mouth like paycheck to paycheck, your parents aren't around, or your mom is bringing lots of different boyfriends, or your dad's bringing lots of girlfriends, like, that's gonna harden you as a person, and you're gonna look at the world with a little bit more mistrust than somebody who grew up in a middle-class, upper-middle-class family with two loving parents, who got everything they wanted, and have never really had anybody hurt them. And so, like, in this, everybody grew up fighting, and so these kids spend, like, they just fight each other because that's what they've always known. But then the one moment that somebody offers them an opportunity for something else, they realize that maybe there's something better. And I also think that's a trend that we see around us of how children grow up, like, especially our generation and, like, millennials grow up and they look at the world that our parents have created and we're like, huh. I don't know if I like that. Society's crazy, man. This podcast is deep, man. It's chaotic and deep. Our two MOs. Thanks, Klaus. Do you have another point? I loved how whenever the the leader of the Ellingbos and the leader of the Crumbs, they would get together and talk, and the leader of the Ellingbos is this really stupid guy. And the leader of the crumbs is super smart. She's like a Yzma from Disney, right? Yes, that's exactly what she reminds yes, me of. Yes, that's the vibe. And so she's like, how have we never defeated you yet? And then she goes, if you say what I think you're about to say right now, don't. Do not. I will end you right now. Like, it was just so funny. All the I love... So, the... Klaus gives that one kid a toy, and then he tells everybody else, and then everybody, all the kids want a toy, and so the Jesper is like, okay, I'll use all these letters to get, and he starts, like, counting letters. And him and Klaus go every night, and are delivering presents, and they fall off a cliff, which is how the, like, reindeer start to fly, and they, like, have too many presents, so they have to use reindeer instead of a horse, and, like, all these legends. Even Klaus going, ho, 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 and Jesper's like, seriously, you laugh like that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I love when all this stuff was starting to happen and the kids, there's like all these montages of the kids like talking about the things that Klaus does and he's like, he's so big but he can get into every chimney, I don't know how he does it and he likes cookies and then it's like cutting to scenes of Jesper like being thrown into chimneys and eating cookies and like doing all these different things and I thought that was really And then the coal scene! Yeah, the coal scene because this one kid bullied Jesper when he first moved in and so he went to deliver a present, and he put coal in his stocking instead. And so then, Jesper tells all the kids that you only get toys if you're good, so then you have, like, the naughty and nice legend. And the kid's just standing there like, what? And all the kids are watching this go down, and Jesper's just sneering at him going, only good kids get presents. You're on the, the naughty list. Oh, it was so dramatic. So then all these kids start getting presents and then they start doing good deeds because only being good is the only thing that gives you presents and it just keeps going and they're like town is turning into a better place 
But then the leaders start freaking out because they're ruining tradition. So they have a meeting, and the crumb lady goes, we need to form a truce to stop this guy and get him out of town. And the elbow... <laughs> elbow... Why can't I remember this name? Ellingbow. Ellingbow, Carrie. Ellingbow. Oh gosh, woman. Ellingbow. The Ellingbow leader is like, you mean we need to have peace to stop the peace? It's such a dumb concept. Just this idea that in or like the only way to stop the good things that were happening was to stop fighting them. It was ridiculous. So, the the leaders of the whole town, they end up getting enough letters for Jesper to leave, and so Jesper's dad comes back, and he's like, hey, great job, I had to see this for myself, you get to go. <laughs> Someone goes, I'm sure this isn't something that could fester and come as a source of, re of resentment and regret later in life. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh. That whole scene is so cute. I also want to talk about the little girl from the tribe. The little girl! Ah! She's so cute. So all the kids from the town show oh up every gosh. day with letters and they want presents from Klaus. And then one day this little girl shows up from a different tribe and she doesn't speak the same language. And so Jasper's like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, help, SOS. And then, like, she's just always there because she wants to write a letter but she doesn't know how to write and she doesn't know how to speak the language and, like... All of these but things. But she understands what's going on. Yeah, she knows what's going on, but, like, her and Jesper cannot, like, fully communicate with each other. But then she's just always there, so Jesper keeps having really bad days, and he's, like, coming and, like, pouring out his heart to her. <laughs> and she's just staring up at him going, yeah, and he's like, you're a really good listener. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day he goes to the teacher and is like, tell me what she's saying. <laughs> and then they write a letter, and she gets a gift. Oh. That melted my whole heart. Because at that point, they had run out of toys. And then we found Klaus's tragic backstory. Oh. I'm just imagining a soundbite for that. That's like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, tragic backstory. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's the soundbite. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, <laughs> tragic backstory. But... Basically, Klaus got married, him and his wife wanted to have lots of kids, they couldn't have kids, she died. Like, up. <laughs> yeah. Also, the fact that literally every amazing person on the planet is named Lydia. Hey, What's up, Lydia? <laughs> and so then he, like, made all these toys for the kids that they were gonna have in the future, but then they never had kids, and then she died, and so then he just had all of these toys to do with, and so he gave them all out. But he didn't want to make any more. My heart just broke into pieces during that scene. I'm like, he made all these toys for his future kids and then he didn't get any. What the heck? It was really sad. But then they give all the toys out and then Jasper comes up with this great idea because he realizes that he's like 2,000 letters short of like his goal. He's like, we're all going to do Christmas. We're going to deliver presents so that all kids wake up Christmas morning with all of the presents that they wanted and they just have to write you a letter. And Klaus is like, no, I'm not making more gifts. And so then the little girl from the tribe writes a letter and they, like, together, Klaus and Jesper, like, make the gift. And they deliver it to her and it's like this moment that Klaus is like, oh, yeah, I like doing this. <laughs> and so then they, like, form an operation and all the people from the tribe come and, like, act as his elves. Ugh, I can't. And it's just a very heartwarming moment. I started to tear up there. I was like, this isn't... I was like, this movie is gonna make me cry. That's gonna happen. It's so wholesome, you guys. But I didn't cry there. I cried at the end. <laughs> well, it's right. So, then, with all the dad stuff that went on, Jasper... 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 Jasper is a dumb name. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> Tell me about it. I thought, I was like, did I hear that wrong? No, I didn't. They're just dumb. So, Jesper almost leaves with his dad. You see him leaving on the boat. And the ferryman is like, I've never seen someone leaving this island so miserable. And the dad's like, you're right. This is so weird. What the heck? 
yeah, so it's Christmas Eve, and they've, like, spent all this time, like, getting the gifts. Everything's all ready to go. getting ready to deliver them. And then the dad shows up, and Klaus and what's-her-face teacher lady, who's now Jesper's girlfriend, are so upset. And it's like, boom, betrayal moment. Yeah, it's like the climax of happiness, and of course it gets ruined. Like, obviously. And so... Just really... This movie follows all of the tropes. Yeah, very stereotypical. It's fine. It ends up turning out very well. Every time I say something, I just think of, like, a soundbite, and it's like, now time for the typical betrayal moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Time for the tragic backstory. Oh my gosh. So, because it, it follows a pretty standard pattern, but it's still very heartwarming and loving and beautiful. And wholesome. Yeah. So this all happens. The boat's leaving. The little girl from earlier, she's standing on the shore saying his name, crying. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. That didn't just rip my heart out and stomp on it's it. It's okay. And finally, he's like, hey, um, I think I missed my boat. And he's just sitting on the dock. I'm like, you dumb idiot. I'm going to kill you. So, <laughs> I'm just so mad. I was like, if you leave, I swear. And of course, he did. Uh, yeah, at that point, like in other movies that have done something similar, the person goes home and then they realize, like that Hallmark movie. <laughs> Gosh. Why are all of my comparisons Laura Osnes' Hallmark movie? It's fine. Anyway, but then they go home, and there's, like, this scene where they're at home, and they're sad and unfulfilled, and they realize they have to go back. And I was like, there's not enough time left in this movie. Like, I don't know what at what point in the movie that happened, but it was definitely near the end. I was like, there's not enough minutes left in this movie for that to happen. So I was like, what's gonna happen? What? How are they gonna fix this situation? And he's just sitting there. He's just chilling. Which, overall... I think that was pretty dumb, because it got resolved in, like, five minutes. His dad shows up, and they leave, and I'm like, why couldn't he have just stood up to his dad, like, right then, and been like, no, I want to stay. Yeah, but instead they do this whole thing where they're getting the sleigh ready, so you see Jesper, and then it cuts to another scene where Klaus and the girlfriend are getting the sleigh ready, everything's ready to go, and the evil people show up, the leaders of the town. Dun-dun-dun! And they're like, oh yeah, looks like a pinata! And Klaus is like, do whatever you want to the toys as long as no one gets hurt. And I'm like, sir, stop! Dad, please! No, don't! (laughs) And then... So they're about to hit it, and Jesper's like, no, and comes running off a hill and, like, jumps off and jumps onto the toys. It causes <laughs> the mass chaos. Thing happens. It falls onto the sleigh, and he goes, and the sleigh's, like, slowly going backwards, and it's not connected to the reindeer, and he's like, I would never in a million years have done what I just did if I had known they weren't attached. <laughs> it's just... They're all moving in slow motion. Everyone's just watching this happen. And it goes to this epic chase scene, okay? So the bad people are chasing. Everyone's chasing. Oh, it's so cool. That that scene felt like I felt like I was in a movie theater watching an IMAX movie. Oh, I know. It was so it was amazing. I loved it. I was like, I'm so, watching this on my TV at home. This is awesome. <laughs> So all this happens, well, the bad lady ends up throwing the toys off the cliff, right? They're all gone. And one of the toys is still on the cliff, but the rest of them have fallen off. And Jesper opens it and he's like, this is just a piece of wood. And he's staring at it, and Klaus is smiling, and he goes, you put decoys in there? What the... And they come around the corner with all the actual toys and the actual sleigh. I'm like, well, yeah. What the heck? And the girlfriend's like, yeah, you just decided to ruin everything, idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, so then they deliver all the presents to yeah. the kids. And, and Klaus dies. <laughs> yeah, and then we go to the epilogue. Which, this is where I cried. <laughs> <sighs> 
Mental breakdown so it was like part going two and for Jade. <laughs> <laughs> it's it like like Jasper talking. And he's like wrapping up the story. He's like talking about it. he like me and Klaus like do this for a long time. I like marry the girl. We have children. The town like goes back together. The the children of the two leaders of the tribes like fall in love and they get married and marry Nomeo and Juliet. Well, no, the kids do, not the leaders. Yeah, I said the children of the leaders. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> but then, yeah, and you like see all these clips where like Jasper grows a mustache and Klaus is like, "That's stupid. <laughs> Take that off. You dumb idiot. Stop." And this is where Carrie cuts out all the things where she broke the rules of our podcast because there is one thing we do not talk about on this podcast and you will never know, little pineapple hungry people. <laughs> cut that out too. Don't cut that out, that's a hint. Okay, I won't. Yeah, you can cut it out, it's fine. And so then Jesper is like narrating this whole thing, right? Carrie's about to have her own mental breakdown over there. So I'll just finish for her. So Jesper's narrating this entire thing. And towards the end, this whole scene with Klaus is going on, and Jesper's like, he kind of, like, after 12 years, like, on the 12th year, no one could find him. I traveled all around. No one could see him. It's as if he just faded away. And Klaus, throughout the whole movie, is watching this wind this whole time. And I'm like, oh, it's the spirit of Christmas. No, it's the spirit. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was, too. It's the spirit of his wife. We're dumb. Gosh, thanks, Lydia. <laughs> and so the wind is, like, going on. You can see Klaus is old now, like, the animation. He's all wrinkly and old, and he can barely carry his axe anymore. And the wind is going off into the distance, like, into the bright sun. And he's like, I am finally coming, my dear. And he literally just fades away. And so it was so, it was so great guys yeah and then it and then it jumps some more time and like jesper's like putting his kids away to bed and his wife is like go go ahead and it's like i don't know how it happens but every christmas i get to see my friend and so it's like jesper putting out christmas cookies and like extinguishing his fire and like sitting by their fireplace waiting for klaus to come through the chimney and i just sobbed and you can hear, like, ho, 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 and see the reindeer, and I'm like, stop, do not. And then like, the movie ended, and I was just like, I don't know what to do with my life. Stop, help this me. This is fine. <laughs> like, I just sat there watching the credits, like, what do I do? Oh my gosh. I'm just sobbing. I'm fine. I just, like, sat there for a little bit, and then I liked it on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> And then I walked upstairs and I was like, now I have to process my thoughts. I don't know what to do. Uh, it's fine. So, that's Klaus. You guys were not okay. It's... And if you watch this, you won't be okay either. This movie is just so good. It's fantastic. Like, I had watched about 30 minutes of it. And my mom had gone somewhere, wasn't watching it. And when she walked in... She watched the rest of the hour with me. And I was like, that's pretty impressive. When you can just start a movie 30 minutes in, and it's so compelling that you sit down for the rest of it, having no context as to what's going on. I think it's a beautifully well-done movie, just in itself. And as a Christmas movie, it's fantastic. Fantastic. It's not stupid, like a lot of Christmas movies. It's heartwarming. Hey, listen. Don't. I was talking. Talk about. I was thinking about Home Alone. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. We don't stand Home Alone in this house. I think Elf is cute. It's overrated. Like, everyone's obsessed with it. Yeah. I just think it's adorable, and I love Zoe Deschanel. Who doesn't? She's the reason for these quarantine bangs, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah so just as a christmas movie it's really sweet and nice and it's different it got a different twist on it yeah it it was just a very refreshing movie because i was not excited to watch it that's why i put it off to the very end because i was like 
I really, I haven't heard anything about this, I don't know what it's about, I'm really not interested, but this podcast, we try new things in this house, even if we don't like it. Which we haven't really hated a movie, or no. anything that we've done. I mean, you kind of low-key hated Die Hard, but... I gave it a five. I thought it was fine. Very middle ground. I'm trying Honestly, to cover the whole out of ten space. That's not... Five is right in the middle. <laughs> it's a 50%. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're just looking for a fight. I'm also looking for a crab named Klutzy. If anyone sees him, if anyone hears from him, let me know, please. <laughs> help me. How many times are you gonna have to cut out when I say help me? How many times am I gonna have to say cut out when I say I can't? Okay, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes critics and audience score are? Man, the critics? I would say like a 94. And the audience, I would say 90. I'm gonna say 92 critics, 88 audience. So basically the same minus like two. Yeah, I I thought about these a couple days ago. I didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) It's fine. Or a couple days ago, I mean last night. (laughs) Don't lie. They know. The listeners know. Drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. The critic score is a 94. Suck it. Suck it. And the audience score is a 97. Oh, man. We were both off. I was like, it's gonna be higher, isn't it? But I went lower to be safe, because I'm dumb. I got one right. That's all that matters. I never have to get another one right again. So what do you personally rank this? Okay. So I'm trying to also add in the fact that I really didn't like the beginning, but I'm also a sucker for a good ending, which is so dumb. Oh my gosh. I am though. Like, he died and it's sad. It's heartwarming. Carrie, do not talk about Santa like that. People die, Jade. Where did the Santa part come from? Ah, uh, it's it's a different legend. Like our Santa Claus is different than this guy. Legend. So it comes from a saint. But all of the same things are the same. That made sense. Now I have to look up where Santa Claus came from. I'm just thinking about Santa, because all the other stuff is the same. All the reindeer and stockings. The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas. It says that he gave away his wealth and traveled the countryside helping the sick and the poor. And then he became known as the protector of children and sailors. That's so sweet. Santa Claus came from St. Nicholas's Dutch name, Sinterklaas. I need to Google things more. I'm probably saying that wrong, because I'm not Dutch. Oh. Sinter. Hola, my name is Sinterklaas. I will give you coal if you are bad. And then, basically just the way that he was perceived evolved. I think Coca-Cola had something to do with it. Sounds about right. Uh, Miracle on 4th Street, 34th Street had something to do with it, too. (laughs) 4th Street? (laughs) There's a four in it. Save. That helped me distract you to figure out my number. (laughs) I did it, ladies and gents. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Alright. Because of the creepiness at the beginning, but it redeemed itself, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Oh my gosh. Do not give it a 10, or I swear to heck. I'm gonna give it a 10. <laughs> Carrie! I Dude! loved it. What? From the first moment. What? From the beginning all the way to the end, I was hooked. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I cried. This is Mental Breakdown number three. I don't know what to do right now. My threshold for things is 
like it doesn't get the highest score unless it makes me cry or I think about it nonstop. See that I didn't think about it nonstop. I thought it was good. I gave it a seven and a half. Yeah, I cried, so that's where I thought about it. But then I just like really enjoyed it. I didn't think about it nonstop, but like when we had the when we, my parents and I watched Gone with the Wind, I bumped it up a score later on. It was a three, and then I bumped it to a four because I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Right. And then a lot of social implications, for sure. Yeah. But, I just, I don't know. I love this movie, Jade. It's definitely my favorite Christmas movie of all time, now. I don't want to watch The Holiday with you anymore. Because <laughs> you're gonna make it, like, a five, and I'm just gonna... I'm gonna it's stop. It's definitely better than Die Hard, You're Jade. gonna have to... Replace your curly critic because I won't be able to deal anymore. I ain't gonna be able to hang. Um, it's <laughs> fine. There's no way that the holiday's worse than Die Hard. Well, no, but if you make it the same, it's got Jude Law in it. I'm so afraid. Like, if it's anything less than a seven, I'm gonna well, be so. It's got Jude Law in it, so how bad could it be? It's not! It's one of the best movies ever in the whole world! I watch it whenever it comes on TV all year long! I'm not expecting it to be bad. You're making it seem like it's bad. <laughs> I'm making it seem like you're not gonna like it, and I'm concerned. Because <laughs> I don't know my best friend anymore. I like weird things, Jay. <laughs> Good. Because this movie was freaking weird, man. The sarcasm alone gave me life. I can't like things if they're too popular. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're such a hipster. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> like, did you hear the words that just came out of your mouth? It's it's a flaw of mine. It's part of the reason that I hate New Hamilton fans. <laughs> I don't hate them. I just, they scare me. But I'm like, I've literally been a fan of Hamilton since like, October of 2015. <laughs> so I've been there since the beginning. Thanks, history teacher in 8th grade. You're the best. Actually, yeah, we're going to 8th grade before that, but I was thinking, a thanks A-Push teacher yeah. for reminding us that this is a musical. Like, like 2013? Before Hamilton was even a yeah, thing? Yeah, so like when a bunch of people started liking Hamilton, I was like, mm, We're those kinds of hipsters. Fine. And then it just kept getting more and more popular, and I was like, I liked it from the beginning. It's the definition of a hipster. <laughs> I know. I'm more okay with I it. I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> it was stupid before, because I have never seen it. But now that, like, people can actually watch it, I'm more okay with it. Which <laughs> stupid, because I've never seen it live. We're not here to talk about Hamilton. But the same thing happened with Hadestown. Yeah. I still don't think that one's popular, so I think you're good. Hadestown? Yeah. It literally won a Tony. Uh, anyways... Yeah, the other day I discovered that I liked Harry Styles and that was the biggest disappointment of my life. Oh my gosh. I just, I typically like things that are deeper and less... We talked about this, I think, with another movie. Right. I yeah, like... deeper in meaning. It is very deep. Which is why I love Hadestown so much, if we're going to keep talking about musicals. Yeah. Because there are lots of layers to it, while, like, one of my friend's favorite musicals is Legally Blonde. And I can't love that musical because the message is, go after your dreams? <laughs> yeah. But, it's fine. It's got a score of 8.75. Dang. So it's still really high up there. It's... It is really high up there. I was going to compare it, but I closed it before we got to that point. <laughs> Is it the highest one we have so far? It's our second highest Christmas thing. Yeah, I rated Dash and Lily higher, because so... It's our second highest movie after Stage Newsies. Fat bet! <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, it's our second highest thing. 
Whenever we rate things a 10, of course it's gonna be the highest thing. Newsies is higher, because you rated that a 10. I know, that's what I'm saying. I rated that a 10, you rated this a 10. That's gonna make it the highest thing. <laughs> well, that's been our episode. <laughs> Have fun editing this one, buddy. Oh, it's gonna be a train wreck. It's not gonna render well at all. <laughs> but it's fine. We're gonna survive. Join us next week as we talk about the holiday. And hopefully Jade doesn't murder me. <laughs> I am stressed and excited. Help. So good. You guys, just go get the holiday from Half Price Books for $2, okay? Just do it. Or get it from your local library like I did. Don't be a nerd. They still have a copy at Half Price Books. I got it from the library today. We went on an adventure. If you like it enough, you will buy it. Yeah, I, that's usually what happens. I get it from the library first, so then I don't have to spend money on things that I might not like. Because that's my biggest fear. Oh, ye of little faith. I don't. I'm afraid to spend money on things that I don't might not like. That's why I never it's try new. $2. That's why I don't try new things at restaurants. It's cheaper than Chick Fil A. I don't try new things at Chick Fil A. <laughs> it's because they only have three things. This episode is so chaotic. You guys, this is our quarantine Christmas episode. I'm sitting in the floor. Carrie's falling apart. We've each had at least two mental breakdowns each, if not more. Help. I went to bed at 3 a.m. last night. And my dogs woke me up at 9.30. Oh... Don't stay up all night reading fanfiction, folks. And following a crab named Klutzy, which, by the way, if you guys see him, um, reminder, let me know. And watching YouTube and doing all of the very unproductive things, because what else are you supposed to do when you're a college student on break? Nothing! Do the things you're actually supposed to do, like our Secret Santa book thing. Yeah, that's what... Might as well tease it now. Next week we have the holiday, and then we'll probably go on a week break for New Year's. And then we're doing an episode where we buy each other books for Christmas. I forgot the word for books. <laughs> we bought each other books for Christmas with the theme of new beginnings. And we're going to exchange them and talk about them on the podcast. Yeah. So that's coming in like three weeks. So we're currently reading each other's books. Yeah, so we can talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if we're just like, here, have this book. Good that luck, I buddy. Randomly pulled off the shelf. Very, yeah, very awkward. Don't know about that. The whole topic of New Beginnings is now a stretch, even though I came up with it. I think mine is about New Beginnings. <laughs> I think mine is, I just haven't gotten to the end. <laughs> it sounded like new beginnings in the description, but that's all. <laughs> uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CurlyCriticsPod. Send us emails at CurlyCriticsPod at gmail.com. Give us five stars wherever you're listening. Uh, subscribe, follow, tell us what Share us with your friends. Words are failing me. It's time to end. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. This is the episode that's coming out the week of Christmas. That's very exciting. Merry actual Christmas, you guys. Oh my gosh. Bye. <laughs>